0: As a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to live somewhere far away from Hell's Kitchen. But I realized the city was a part of me. It was in my blood. And I would do anything to make it a better place.
1: Maybe if he had an iron suit or a magic hammer... Explain why you
0: keep getting your asses handed to you.
2: I'm just trying to make my city a better place.
1: Welcome back to Defenders TV Podcast, the podcast about the Netflix shows Daredevil, aka Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist all leading up to the miniseries Defenders. Uh, We're talking about the Netflix TV series Daredevil at the moment. Uh, We're on to episode three, Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Uh, This episode was written by Marco Ramirez and directed by Adam Kane. I'm Derek, and I'm your lawyer by day, Defender by night.
0: I'm John, your iron fist, and on Saturday night, I become Luke Cage.
2: I'm Chris Jones, also known as Jessica Jones, but only on the weekends.
0: Welcome
1: guys. Now we're on to episode three <laughs> of the podcast now. How are we doing?
0: Good. Loving it. Good. Absolutely loving it. Really, really loving it. I've been like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, been a really good show so far, actually. Yeah. Really good uh, really good styles and really good uh, really good um
0: episodes for for our one of our favourite characters, there, though, definitely. Yeah, and this one um sees um the big bad opposite. Um Show his back. That's right, and then his face. <laughs> his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This really good, really good uh, for that. And of course, we see our first defender, Daredevil. And of course, for the first podcast about all things defenders, you can follow us at defenders TV forward slash iTunes to listen to us, or check us out and search defenders TV podcast on Stitcher, Player FM, and any other good podcast catcher. Um, we're doing a load of episodes and um, in this opening weekend of Daredevil. We'll be putting three up um over the course of the opening weekend of Daredevil from April 10th and um, followed by two a week then after that. Um, we will also have a podcast on Ultron um as well coming out in between our podcasts on Daredevil. Um, it shows earlier here in um, Ireland and the UK. So we'll also be um, giving you a good big podcast and review and chat and discussion on all things Joss Sweden and Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that too. Uh, if you guys
1: have any feedback for us, uh, please send your feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at DefendersCast or on Facebook at Podcast. Uh, please make sure you share his thoughts with us and we will share them on a future episode. Um, with all those announcements out of the way, I guess it's time to talk about Rabbit in a Snowstorm. John, do you want to give
0: us your synopsis for the episode? Yep. Daredevil Episode 3, Rabbit in a Snowstorm. After a brawl breaks out at a bowling alley and a man is brutally slaughtered, wealthy businessman Wesley enlists the help of Nelson and Murdoch, attorneys at law, to defend the accused murderer a Mr. John Healy. Foggy questions the accused and has doubts about representing him in a court of law and fearing for the reputation of their fledgling business, but is brought around by Matt Murdock, who has other motives for the representation of John Healy. We are also introduced to Ben Ulrich, Von D. Curtis Hall, a struggling features writer for the New York Bulletin. Ulrich is on the trail of a big story in the New York underworld, but all his leads are drying up. That is, until Karen Page arrives at the Bulletin to provide information that may help Ben Ulrich connect the dots in the story of his career. Meanwhile, Matt and Foggy get their client off, but the first defender, Daredevil, has other plans for Mr Healy. He's going to beat the identity of Wesley and his employer out of him, using his intimidation tactics Matt learns the identity of Hell's Kitchen's kingpin of crime, Wilson Fisk. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah,
1: it's a it's an interesting episode. This is our first courtroom drama, really, for uh, for the series so far. Um, lots of stuff going on in the courtroom. Really, it's good to see the 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 attorneys at law. Being at law, I suppose, <laughs> for me. I yeah, really really enjoyed it.
0: And getting a paying client
1: as well. A heavily, highly paying client. I presume they're able to get the best Wi-Fi available now.
2: <laughs> no more hitting that router. <laughs> Although that was a brilliant scene. That was good.
1: That was good. Uh, before we talk about brilliant scenes, I suppose, Chris, do you want to give us your first point?
2: Yeah. For me, it has to be Mr. Eerie. Mm-hmm. The, the the would-be assassin, or actually the carry-through assassin, if you yeah. want to put it that way. Um, he really gives mad of run for his money, in the final fight sequence, mm-hmm. and for me, that was the, the ending of that fight sequence was just, mwah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. We uh-huh. all thought, "Oh no, no, it's not going to happen. He's going to run away." And then squelch! Sh-
0: oh, oh um, gosh! Yeah, uh, that was just the most like shrieking. Oh, I was squirming all over the place with that. <laughs> it was just as soon as. Uh, Mr. Healy put up uh, Daredevil's face to that spike. I thought, oh no, we've not seen the last of that. And it was just that suicide of himself, killing himself off um, because of what he had done was just so, 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 oh, ran a shiver down my spine. I mean, I couldn't really watch it. I actually had to look away. I mean, that to me is perfect yeah i love horror and gore movies and films but i can't handle them well at all (laughs) but i like i like them because of that and this to me was just right there proper brutal fatalistic stuff and again more blood than you can possibly imagine i mean those opening credits, it is definitely blood. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be. There's a lot of the stuff. What was what was they, use? they use corn syrup, don't they? I mean, it must all the fish must have gotten a sweet tooth after that had all drained out into <laughs> the Hudson or something like that. And there's yeah. so much blood or something.
1: I'm, I'm definitely getting the feeling that we are going to get the red suit on Daredevil pretty soon. It's not going to be a change of clothes. It's just going to be blood. <laughs> um, yeah, but stunned silence in the room after watching this episode and watching that scene. I, I loved what it meant. I I love, I love that this was Mr. Healy saying uh, saying to Matt you've made me give up the name of Kingpin but that's it, you might as well have killed me and I wish you had and then kills himself. This is again showing the power of Wilson Fisk, the man that we haven't met yet or get to
0: meet in this episode but uh, very briefly. And um, just because he'd been so badass I mean that opening fight in the bowling alley again, Mr. Healy is, can handle himself in a bar brawl or a bowling alley brawl (laughs) he um you know he's a mean guy even all the way through this when he's in the interview room and when he's dealing with foggy and and murdoch as as his lawyers he he's cool he's calm he's collected he's also quite forthright and and a bit intimidating Certainly for Foggy, and I mean, all of a sudden he turns into this gibbering wreck because he's he knows what he's done and what that means and who is going to be behind the retribution for that. Absolutely, I love it, brilliant.
2: He was so psychotic mm-hmm. with that kind of the, the the split personality. Like he was so vicious, and then he was so calm and collected. I in my head, I was racking my brain, going, "Okay, who is he?" Yeah. He was. He has to be someone we all know using a different name, and we'll find a name later. I even to the point went. I assumed up until the end of the fight scene before he guillotined himself or mm-hmm. impaled himself. I should say, <laughs> uh, he 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 was. I was like, okay, so he's going to come back right. on a later episode, yeah. and he'll be because he he went pretty much round for round with Matt Murdoch there, Absolutely. um, and the fight scene at the very beginning. That that really kind of showed off. He 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 was vicious. He could he snapped that guy's arm very quickly, yeah. without using the gun. Mm-hmm. So again, he he backed away from the gun. I do think the death's gonna come back to haunt Matt now. I think this is what might drive him in episode four to jump into the church because right. now he's actually he hasn't killed someone to this point. That's right. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. His, this is his. He he may feel the Catholic guilt mm-hmm. go, fall over him.
1: <laughs> possibly yeah, yeah. cuz
0: even the guy he threw off the the top of the building in the previous episode in episode 2 um he kind of looks down and he's managed to like projectile in into um the the dumpster the and trend. onto all the soft cardboard yeah. and Razor sharp tin cans. Um, so he, you know, he does survive that. Yeah, and he listens out for his heartbeat to make sure that
1: he'll live. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And or um, this, there's no coming back from this.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. Uh,
0: big metal spike to
2: the eyeball into brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it, my, my notes basically say, spiky fence. Uh, <laughs> and before that, there was spiky shards of of glass that were being used as well to to torture him into that uh, reveal of. His his employer. Yeah. Um, a lot of spiky stuff as well. Yeah. Blows and spikes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sharp
1: pointy things. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, got, I've actually got two points about about Healy, actually, um, for this. Number one is in that final fight, which is the um, essentially using every weapon around to brutal effect. Everything that he can pick up to use on Matt, he finds a metal bar, he finds the, the glass, he finds the spike, and starts using those to, to attack Matt Murdock here. I thought that was really well done. Again, a very another different fight scene. Um, you know, we've had we've had five fight scenes now, I think, yes. since the start of the start of the show, and everyone has felt very different and shot very different. And once again, they're they're using the environment this time, which is something they hadn't done in the past. Um, the other my other note about Healy was from that first fight scene onwards, I was waiting for him to fight Daredevil <laughs> because I I could tell these two were going to be a, a match made in heaven if you're if you're into fighting. Or a match made in hell if you're into Daredevil, um. But yeah, from that first moment, I really wanted to see the two of them go toe to toe, and yeah, didn't disappoint. A great, a great, uh, great closing fight between the two. John, and uh, uh, your first point about the episode.
0: My first point is Wesley Welsh. I absolutely love this character. I am glad he has come back in now for episode 3 and I really like watching um, and seeing this character on the screen played by Toby Leonard Moore Um, it's really really um, a good character firstly as well I just loved the the association of Wesley Welch now with Daredevil and that's the ticking of his watch, Mm -hmm. his timepiece on his wrist, like I love that that's now his Identifier for Wesley Welsh is this this watch that kind of almost takes over from any heartbeat that may, he might pick up of Wesley Welsh. It's his timepiece, and we see it in the courtroom and on the street, following. Um, where Matt Murdoch follows him after and you know surprise surprise I, I wasn't expecting this at all uh, where he comes in and turns up at Nelson and Murdoch's door um under the banner of confederated global investments mm-hmm. to um essentially hold a retainer on them this this notion that a file was going to be kept on uh on the, these two lawyers um for the kingpin has now come come to pass and to me this was almost like a test this was I mean, we see it um, later on with uh, Leland uh, Owsley about how you know they don't want to be leaving a trail of bodies, and bodies are starting to to stack up, and and this is to try and you know cover this um, essential, essentially criminal hit on uh, the the guy in the bowling alley, uh, I think, who was uh, Rigoletto. and mm-hmm. um, one one of the I suppose what we find out to be an older style of mob boss and crime boss uh, in New York. Um but this to me was Wesley Welsh sort of testing then Nelson and Murdoch whilst also trying to remove any heat um on his employer um down the line. Yeah. And I just thought it was really, really good and mm. I'm loving um Wesley Welsh on screen. I'm loving the guy who is um, who's playing him. I think yeah. it's, it's really good. He's got a really great demeanour and how he operates within this world is just superb. He's really slimy but efficient. He's yeah. what and you can imagine Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, wants. Yeah, I, really I've, good.
1: I, I've described him as the uh, as the Loki of uh, of Daredevil, um, as as Loki is in the Avengers. This is the character that. You love to hate, but really is providing some great sense of humor in the show. Plus, having all the information on uh, each of the characters on Foggy, Matt, and Karen, and he brings it to them. He's created this file on them, and he's going to use every piece of that to get them to work for him. He's a really devious character, but he's also got a really good sense of humor as well. So I'm loving watching him in the same way I love watching Tom Hiddleston play play Loki in in the Avengers movies. So uh, that's That's... That's my second point. So I'm just going to be in between you guys picking <laughs> picking your points. Uh, uh, I'm going to uh, follow up on this one because this mm-hmm.
2: is this was the standout performance for me for Weski. Mm-hmm. I I agreed that he, in the first two episodes he was quite a good character. Was he my favourite? No. Right. But now he's starting he's starting to become that right hand of Wilson Fisk that we now can see that he is the right hand and that constantly referring to Wilson Fisk as my employer. Mm-hmm. Just being the the face of the Kingpin, um, and the the, the first part of this one where we, he's sitting down and he's talking to Matt Murdock and Karen Page and um, Foggy Nelson, mm-hmm. and he's he uses that knowledge straight away. Kind of started reminding me of um, the nineteen eighty six uh, series arc, Born Again with Daredevil, yeah, um, where this is the where the character originally comes from. Mm-hmm. Some of that parts of that story may come up in season two and three. Right. But the the part where Wesley uses this file of facts of knowledge on Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson and Karen Page to start kind of influencing Matt Murdock. Right. Uh, and then to a later extent uh, to start punishing Matt Murdock as Daredevil.
1: Interesting.
2: Um, so I'm thinking that could be. This is where we may see elements. I originally thought this was just going to be the man without fear season one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's actually they're they're starting to pull now, different threads and stories from older and or newer, um, kind of Daredevil arcs. Yeah, yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the it's the cool confidence that he has, where you know he says, "All you need to know is." confederated global investments you don't need to know my name and you don't need to know anything else and then mm-hmm. he starts rattling off all this information he's like that kind of spin doctor you know behind any prime minister or t-shark or president or anything like that who isn't is rarely seen or is the face you know is is that person behind the scenes not necessarily of wilson Fisk, but of his organisation, keeping it oiled, keeping it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just really good. And, of course, as well, within these scenes, then we do get to see the first glimpse of a cufflink and uh, a hand of his employer um, as they drive away from um, Hell's Kitchen in almost like a, a motorcade um and it's just, he just says to Wilson Fisk, it's been taken care of, sir. And presumably that's getting John Healy off the hook for actually this assassination of a f- old former crime boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, you want to give us your next point?
2: Yep, so I want to bring up old Benny. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ben Ulrich, who at this point isn't with the Daily Bugle, mm-hmm. just because the Sony deal hasn't been finalised when they were filming, he's with the New York Bulletin, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, so we find out that he's broken the story on Union Union Allied, um, back from episode one, mm-hmm. he is the journalist who broke it. We also see some backstory about him, that his wife is in hospital, we we dying or... Something we yeah. we haven't got the information, and he's fighting for insurance to keep it go. so we can see some of his motivations. But we also see him meet with previous mob bosses that he's got journalistic integrity. Yeah. He has connections there, and of course now he's on, he's on the trail of this big Mister Man who is trying to take over the mob city of the world, or at least New York, anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I I I thought I wasn't going to like the character, right? Really, I. Especially, they they changed his ethnicity. They mm-hmm. changed where he worked. They changed a lot of things about him. Yeah. Um. And I'm a big Spider-Man, uh, comic book fan. So right. this man has quite a lot of lore behind him. Yeah. Um. So, but no, I I'm starting straight away to kind of get that humanistic element to him, and I'm being connected to someone I. I thought i wouldn't right
1: interesting interesting yeah i suppose when we when when you see trailers for it obviously there was just a very simple glimpse into into ben Uric, um researching something that's all we knew he was he was investigating something he's an investigative journalist we knew that um, basically but i liked that they that they took some time to get to know the character he's he's not only a reporter he's a struggling reporter he's not only a person that works for the bulletin he's someone that likes to write features and wishes for an older time when people would actually pick up the newspaper when a big story broke about crime in the city that they live in. Um, now they want him to write puff pieces about whether a train should be blue, red or green, you know. Yeah, i um, the colours. <laughs> <and> that's it. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's obviously struggling and not happy in his role, but he still wants to break this big story. I like the idea that he's um, he's got some contacts in the underworld um, and they're all saying goodbye to him because they're getting out of the city because someone else has come in. Um, they're not giving him any information. All his leads are drying up on this, and in walks Karen Page with a with a big scoop to drop in his in his desk, which I think is a nice cliffhanger at the end of the episode as well. Um, but yeah, like Ben Ben Urick and uh, Vani Curtis Hall, I don't know what it, where I recognise him from. Um, I've seen him in, in a bunch of stuff before, but I just can't can't picture what it is that I've that I've seen him in uh, at the moment. I'll have to look it up and I'll I'll come back with that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I loved his meeting with the. Old crime boss, almost like Italian mafia um is the kind of impression I get there. I love that with Manhattan Island sort of uh looking splendid um in front of them and them sort of reminiscing and I just love that exposition and how that was told about this you know there's a new game in town that people are either being killed um or they're moving out, and that the rules have changed and it's a different breed of. Of criminal, this sounds very familiar to me um, in terms of what we've talked about, say with Gotham TV podcasts and how that show is talking about the the old crime families and businesses being replaced by the likes of Penguin, um, the Riddler, and Mm -hmm. so on. And here again, we have you know this great kind of sort of uh, motif for change, where the old Established crime uh, families who have, you know, their set ways, their traditions, their rules, and um, all that's being sort of pulled from under their feet. And I love that dynamism that it, it creates. And, and no more so than the, the death of uh, Rigoletto in the bowling alley, but I love that meeting between Ben and his, um, one of his contacts there. I thought that was really good. And then to tie that in with Karen. Uh, page was really 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 good um, I, I must say I, I love that introduction of Ben orrick and to be honest you know I would certainly wouldn't mind reading um, a piece by Ben Orrick on a subway extension to be honest <laughs> I, I think it would be fun I think it would be quite good you know as a bit of a railway fan, I think that could be uh, quite
1: good. <laughs> a two-page spread on what colour it's supposed to be, though. Uh, I'm not too sure whether I'd like to write it or, or read <laughs> no, that. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so we have looked up Andy Curtis Hall, and of course I know where I know him from. He was in Die Hard 2, he was one of the, uh, one of the cops ah, in there. Ah, yes. And also in Romeo and Juliet, I think he was uh, the father of the Capulets, I think. And none mm-hmm. of us remember that. And none of us remember
2: it. Of course. We've the one thing times. is, I'm hoping now, in mm-hmm. season two, Okay, um, because he's still the, on this trail. There will the, definitely be a season two. I'm very much sure. We know straight away. Look, we're three episodes in. Mm-hmm. and It's that gory, that great. Yeah, the, the Netflix will be crazy not to. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, they've got a lot of space to fill between all four uh, sh- shows mm-hmm. coming out. Um, but we know that the Sony deal has gone through yes. with Marvel, and that allows Sony, or sorry, that allows Sony and Marvel to use the, the Daily Bugle. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben Ulrich wasn't part of the Daily Bugle deal, so I quite and we know that the new Daily Bugle will be bloggish etc. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's quite possible. I, I no, not quite possible. It's highly likely that in season two, um, or possibly very last episode of mm. s- season one, we'll see Ulrich go to the Daily Bugle in, be it a, a blog or a, a new tabloid. Something, yeah, uh, and we hopefully then additionally get some additional casting and cameos, yeah, um, because that's the one thing I think that uh, is a crucial part of the whole Benoruk mythos mm-hmm. is that he he was the guy who nearly found out who Spider Man was. He's the guy who nearly found out who Daredevil was. Absolutely. Um, and he is a dog with a bone, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're going to try and hopefully see.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I I I certainly think they're going to be taking that that storyline of Ben auric finding out who, uh, who is the man behind the mask of Daredevil and um, whether that's, that's all they do this season. Uh, I, I, I uh, I'll be happy with that in, in itself. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I, I, I think the deal came through very late for Sony in, in, the development of, of Daredevil. So perhaps they'll just change the plates on, uh, on the, on uh, one scene or something like that to show that he's now working on the bugle, but I'm not sure we'll see anything about, about uh, Spider-Man in there, uh, particularly given that, uh, that we're probably not going to see that for the next next year or two. That they'll incorporate anything It'd into probably the movies. Be the best setup. It Bring the JJ Jones
2: JJ in, and mm-hmm. you have him as a cameo in the season two of this. Absolutely no. I introduce I, him.
1: I totally agree. It would be very cool. It'd be very cool. Um. I have a point that's not been talked about yet. <laughs> Shock horror! <laughs> I know, I know. It's kind of it's a very a very small one, unfortunately. Um, but it's it's how they connect Kingpin throughout the episode. How you, how they're telling us who is the Kingpin. Um, you kind of mentioned a little bit of it, John. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm pulling a little bit of what you said. It's the older criminal is leaving town and talking to Ulrich. It says things have changed. This man will not only kill me; he will now kill my wife. He'll now kill the one I love. Later on in the episode, we're told by Mister Healy that you don't know what you've done with me revealing this name. You've now not only put me um, put me on the chopping block. He will also find everyone that I've loved ever in my life and kill all of them. That's the connection to the kingpin. That's how you know it's the same person involved on both on both sides. I think that's a really good touch. It's just his method of uh, striking fear into the hearts of everybody is to kill everybody involved as a as a uh, I suppose it's a warning to anybody else for betraying him. So I think that's a really good, already, again, another scary thing about Wilson
0: Fix. But
2: now he's going up with a man with no fear.
0: <laughs> yes, he is. Look at you. <laughs> Got that in. Yeah. And it links in with Wesley Welch's photographic memory. All that information that he can hold, that he can find out about Matt Murdoch, mm-hmm. Karen Page, Foggy Nelson, mm-hmm. Nelson and uh, Murdoch's law firm, all that. He can find Wilson Fisk through Welsh can find all your loved ones, all your connections, because he is just a data gathering and organizational machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely. Tell him a regulator. <laughs> Excellent. That, that was my first point. Um John. My second point is um the appearance of Wilson Fisk with Yay! originally his shoulder blades, mm-hmm. looking at the, the white canvas, which gives the name to this episode, that um, Vanessa comes up and says, you know, what do you see and, and how do you view it? How many shades of white can there be? And you know, some people describe it as a rabbit caught in a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes back and he says, this painting makes him feel alone. Yeah. Immediately this big, bad monster that we have been told about all the way through this episode, um, and this power player who um, hasn't appeared in the first two episodes suddenly is shown to be very human, have these um, lonely emotions um, and possibly insecurities. I'm not saying he's an insecure person, Mm -hmm. but, you know, um, this is what this picture makes him feel. And all of a sudden, it's that contrast between his public image and his private feelings he's divulging to uh, Vanessa, who I think is his partner in this. And so I just thought it was a great sort of introduction of this man to, in a sense, strip him back um, to his personal thoughts and, and feelings to a close confidant in in Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I, I know she's the she's definitely the, the owner of the art gallery. I'm actually
1: not too sure whether the two know each other at this point. Um, it I, to me it feels like she's coming up and asking him because he's been staring at the painting for a while. She's asking him what are his thoughts about it. Um, we'll see. Obviously, as we as we go along, how much more we'll see of Vanessa. But yes, you're right. In the, in the comic books, Vanessa is the name of his partner. So we are assuming wife. Uh, his partner at times and then wife yeah. in the future, yeah. Yeah. So you have to go out with someone first and then get married. Ah, okay, is that yeah. how that works yeah. shop them all the way. <laughs> them. Unless you're ordering them on the
0: internet, possibly. Yeah. You do that now? <laughs> everything's on the internet. <laughs> um I think I as well, I loved um I just loved the conversation between uh Wesley Welch and Leyland Owesley where, you know, as far as Leyland Dowsley is concerned, everything's kind of heading south a bit, you know, there's all there's um, murders going on. There's courtroom. Um, there's still the union um, allies debacle that's happened. Mm. And when he asks, "I wanted to meet the kingpin face to face. Why isn't he here?" Uh, and and Wesley just simply says, "He's looking at art. Mm-hmm. Or he's he's going to see art." Um, and he goes, "Who's art?" Yeah. Um, and um, he goes, "No, to view paintings." And just Leyland is like, you know, everything's heading south and he's going to redecorate yeah. and it, just really great um little scene between these two, again sort of um putting further sort of flesh on the on the bone of of Wilson Fisk, which I thought was great. And of course you see the the, the cuff as well. Yeah. The, the motif of the cufflinks uh, throughout. Yeah, yeah. How, how it's revealed
1: that it's the same guy that was in the car with uh, Wesley again. Yeah, so uh, kind of back to my other point, I suppose. Uh, another little element to to tie this character together, who's been held back for three episodes now. He is that he is a hugely important character in this universe and a hugely important character in the show. I'm sure we're going to see a ton more of him over the next couple of episodes. But uh, a really good reveal of him here, uh, as a I suppose as a human being rather than. Rather than someone in a fight or someone in uh, someone attacking anybody else, you know, thought it was uh, thought it was quite interesting. Uh, Chris, you got your next point.
2: Um, I'm going to bring up colours again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got our yellow and reds coming mm-hmm. back up quite there. Um, Turk, when Turk's talking and like handing out the guns to Mister mm-hmm. Healy. Uh, Turkey's wearing a big, quite flashy yellow ring. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I caught that one. Mm. And then um, at the very first scene, before the opening credits, we see um, the soon-to-be ex-mob guy um, that Healy comes in with. He has the the bowling ball, where the contraption that the bowling ball comes out of mm-hmm. is yellow and red again. Right, right. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's more that I missed. Yeah. But again, uh, it's the reoccurring yellow-red it's once you've seen it you can never unsee it I think this is the way <laughs> so if I miss something please uh, listeners please uh, tweet us uh-huh. or give us feedback on what I missed and I will happily eat humble pie <laughs> oh
0: yeah. I've done that already yeah, yeah. yeah that's
1: true <laughs> this is the podcast for humble pie eating yeah,
0: like it this. tastes really good as well
1: <laughs> I'll have to eat some next time yeah um but not this, not this time. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering, is there a real? There is definitely a motif there with with the colors, and I know. I, I guess yellow and red are kind of really both quite dangerous colors, and obviously connected to daredevil as well. Mm. I understand that. So uh, obviously, we're we're going to see a lot more of these danger colors around a danger scene, perhaps. Maybe that's maybe that's where the motif's going to be going. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll keep we'll keep track of those as, as we go. Um. For me, one of another big moment of this episode for me is is Karen going back to Union Allied Construction uh, after having, uh, I suppose, ratted them out to um to the newspapers. Um, she is now going back to them to find out if there's a, a job available. Is what it seems like. Uh, the actual company themselves have been folded into a bigger organization uh, and and shut down, and they're now threatening legal action against her for. Breaking the story to the newspaper essentially for stealing information from the company and breaking the story of criminal activity to to the newspapers, I thought it was a great scene again. Another rug being pulled out from under Karen again shes the last episode she seemed very very hugely affected by you know the threats on her life, the attack on her in her home um the death of of a of a former colleague. And everything else that had happened to her, and now she's being told that the former company that she worked for, which has been closed down, and they're, they're, it's all it's all done. Um, the people who took over that company are now potentially threatening legal action against her. You know, um, this is what pushes her to go to uh, to go to Ben um and seek his help
2: in in because she can't find anybody to help her at this stage. I, I found um, that bit of, a bit weird. Okay. Because in the scene you're mentioning, mm-hmm. at the beginning when they're, she's with their former employers, mm-hmm. they they say to, that she broke the NDA Yeah. because the, they when she went to the press. Mm-hmm. So her next move again? Go to the press? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they've just threatened her again, I'm like, fair point. It's, it's story driven. It's going to get us to where we want to go. Mm. But uh, she doesn't seem to hesitate that much.
1: Yes, yeah, she, she does go to the wife first, yeah. doesn't she? She goes to uh, Dan's Dan's wife and asks for her help, at least for some more information from her to kind of sort out the sort out this. And then when, when she realizes that her former colleague Dan's wife uh, has also been paid off by the company, she's not willing to accept it. Is what it feels like. It feels like she's being a very strong character here and and going. I'm not going to take it. I'm going to go on and. and uh, follow this up and not let them get away with uh, what they're getting away with. That's what it feels like.
0: I really liked when she went to see um, her former colleague, Danny, uh, went to see his wife. Um, I thought that confrontation or or that meeting, I should say, again, was really informative. And it comes to, I think, what Chris has just said. I mean, I found it odd that she then went to um, the newspaper after the company's lawyer had said, if you do and go to the paper again you know you're going to be up in front of court Mm -hmm. like there was I mean behind that whole meeting in um, the former union allies uh, companies building was a veiled threat that if you don't accept um, the six months worth of salary if you don't sign this additional agreement then we're going to come after you because you didn't go to the police you went to the newspaper Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked the fact that Um, they went to Danny's wife and she said, I told my husband to do what you're thinking of doing, which is going to the press, and he died shortly after. You know, she kind of gives she gives him a a friendly warning and that, you know, my uh, motivation is that I've got two children to, to protect and I wonder whether she goes to the newspaper you know, we talk that there's hints of drug addiction alcoholism, so she has a destructive streak to her. So maybe her going to the newspaper Mm. is a form of sort of that destructive streak running through her that she knows that's going to put her in, um, in a sense, an adrenaline ride, a rush, or or something like that. I mean, this is me kind of just trying to make sense of that because actually it didn't necessarily make sense that um, she would go off to the newspaper after everything that had happened Mm -hmm. and given she was so scared in uh episode two you know she was still concerned with the blood on the carpet she goes and gets drunk with with foggy and tries to sort of you know problem shirt as a problem half by talking with him you know so to me i got the impression from the previous episode she was still quite sort of um shocked by everything that had happened. And maybe it's for the memory of Danny that she's going off to the newspaper, or maybe it's her destructive streak where she thinks, well, yes, I'm doing good, but at the same time, it it may ultimately lead to um, some form of harm or issue in my life, which comes from other areas, such as alcohol, drugs, maybe relationships and so on. I don't know, It's but it's an interesting thing, and because... I did like that whole thing with Karen and the confidentiality clause, mm. uh, coupled to the whole court case as well. I really liked that, those interactions from um, the previous episodes. It yeah. Could be the subtitle of the episode, Karen and the confidentiality clause.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh I never thought about it like that. It's interesting. Though. But it really starts to make, as you, the more you talk there, I was mm-hmm. like, that makes sense that she will continuously throughout the season. Really start to put herself in harm's way mm. more and more and more as that self-destructive, and it will, it ultimately will lead her in front of again the man in the black mask, mm-hmm. um, and that could be again that's where that relationship forms that she's constantly putting herself in danger, Matt's constantly saving her, yeah, um, but yeah, i never thought about it. it. Makes so much sense.
0: It's even back to episode one where you know. She does. She's not entirely truthful to to Matt Murdock, and mm-hmm. um, she doesn't tell him about the additional files that she's got on the USB stick. And I, I think even in episode two as well, you know, I, there's hints in the performance that Deborah Wall does that suggest to me she's not being totally open with 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 Foggy, even though her reason for going with him to the bar is to her problems and her, her fears because she can't get blood out of a carpet and she's afraid to go back to her apartment so it's a great little character with mm-hmm. like those kind of destructive flaws about her yet at the same time there could quite easily be that moral aspect because she she got on with Danny and she yeah. certainly yeah. wasn't a relationship but she, she liked him as a colleague and maybe it's something to do um, with his memory, why she goes to all that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't she continually call
0: him just a good man? He was not a good yeah. man that she worked with. It was that's really it. There's no
1: relationship element there. It was someone that she could turn to that she could uh, talk to, hopefully, and and try and reveal what was going on in in, uh, in Union Allied Construction. So, John, I think this is your point.
0: I really liked the switch between uh, Foggy Nelson and Matt Murdoch uh, after. Wesley Welch should come to them to essentially hold a retainer with their business for, for legal work mm. um at, at different times. Um, and obviously immediately for the, the Mr Healy case. Um but I love the fact that Foggy Nelson was all so, sort of gung ho, right, we have to um we have to take this money and that Matt Murdoch had those initial suspicions, and then as soon as Foggy is in the interview room with Mr. Healy, you know there is this whole sort of unease that comes across him, um, and he doesn't any longer want to really be involved uh, with with the case. And I really like that switch round because then Matt Murdoch comes in and says. No, I think we should. It's the ulterior motives of Murdoch, Matt Murdoch, for taking on Wesley's retainer and this Healy case to find out more about the criminal underworld in New York, specifically in Hell's Kitchen, and the bigger picture to some of the things he's, you know, he's seen and heard as he's been Daredevil at night. And I like that because, as well, it's it's the first kind of in a sense, split on screen where he's using his partnership, his law partnership with Foggy for his own nocturnal activities, essentially, mm-hmm. um, as Daredevil. And Foggy is oblivious to this. Um, and that's a real little... It's not a split, I don't mean that, but there's kind of like this little schism there where, you know, because of this dual identity, it's impacting on his you know his his friendship and his professional partnership with foggy nelson and and it's all kind of evident within this switch around of taking on this retainer um uh, offered by uh, wesley welsh yeah yeah and i really like that dynamic between them i thought it was really really good and um, you know cuz foggy in that interview room with mr healy you know he's obviously sat there just going okay this guy really is coming across as a control freak and psychopath. Um, he's not innocent at all. Even though he's supposed to be as objective as possible, You know, he gets essentially spooked by his meeting with Mr. Healy. And all of a sudden, Matt Murdock is... Oh yeah, no, sure. We'll, we'll take on this this case. I just love that switch around and yeah. that dynamic between the two, and the motives for Matt for doing that, and the fact that it's not open. It, it's it's a secret. It's one of the first secrets that's going on between their relationship. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Right. And I like that. I Totally understand. that. I think
1: I I think it really, what really comes across about Foggy Nelson's character in this is he could do nothing but run and honest an honest firm essentially despite what he thinks he thinks he might be able to be one of those rock star lawyers that earns millions every year because they're defending the indefensible he couldn't do that once he's in the room on his own with a person as as, uh as dark as healy he he instantly shuts up and wants to get out of there you know and i thought yeah it's a really good really good scene definitely and chris do you have a final point
2: so we were speaking about secrets there, and this actually brings me perfectly to my final point, which is um, the scene with Father Lantham mm. um, and yeah, Matt yeah. Murdock. Um, so it, they have it was it's quite a, a strange scene. It will probably make sense a lot more sense later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who know some of the backstory of Daredevil, there there is a lot of backstory there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again it, it has two things. First. It shows that even though Matt didn't go into the church, mm-hmm. he still goes to the church for his solitude, for his kind of... It's, again, similar to the gym. to yep. him. He, it's where he goes to contemplate what's going on. Um But also then, the second aspect of the scene is it does and it's played very well by the actor who plays Father L- Lantham, which the name escapes me for the moment. Um, He plays it in such a way that it looks like he is trying to tell uh, Matt something. Because mm-hmm. like, he does offer, come in for some more coffee. Yeah. And Matt obviously wanders off. Um, I think that's less what the, your what our, our listeners are thinking, that it's something to do with the confessional box. Mm-hmm. It's more to do with this larger secret in Father Lantham's past okay. that relates to bathroom Jack and Matt. Right. Um, and I think that... it. it I think they're going to leave a lot of Easter eggs like this, Mm -hmm. um, which we will see grow more and more and more throughout this series. And that was just a nice one for me. Um, And I'm hoping that I will see the name of the church because... Uh, we haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. and there's a, a. I think there's an Easter egg there. I'm gonna keep quiet for the time okay. being, All right. until I actually get a name of that church and orphanage.
1: This is another another uh, little pin going on the dear board. Yeah, too. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, really interesting. I do, I do like them bringing back up the Catholicism as often as they can. It, there's a, there's a really strong connection between uh, Matt Murdock and and his Catholicism, and having that relationship between him and and um, the the father at, at his local church is really important to to the show and should be um it's it, it was the opening scene the first time we see charlie cox in the first episode was in a confessional uh with this priest so um so it'll be interesting to see how their relationship plays out and he should have a strong relationship of some sort i believe it looks as if he's much more of a lapsed catholic than we've seen uh in some versions of Daredevil in the past. He doesn't seem to go to church very often, he says it in the first episode. Um so it'll be interesting to see how their relationship develops if he never goes inside the church again. Yeah. Uh, you know. But um but yeah really really good scene. My final point really is on the court courtroom scene, you know, it's it's this episode was our first courtroom drama and it was great to see it. I yeah. think they did it a Definitely. great job. Um ha- having Matt Murdoch use his powers in uh in the courtroom you know his two special powers. One is, my God, the guy can speak. He knows how to do a do a great speech to get someone off, um, off on off charges. That essentially we know the guy's a murderer, but his speech is fantastic. It is, it is. These are the facts. This is what we're presenting to you. Let him off based on this, but it's also hugely threatening as well. So the two, the duality of the actual speech itself is one is one element. He's threatening, uh, Mr. Healy. He's essentially saying. I know you're going to get off, but you're going to get yours. And um, whatever way it happens, this guy in the streets will get his, uh, will, will get his comeuppance, which I thought was fantastic. But as I said, the other elements of Matt Murdock and Daredevil that are being used throughout this case, where he's able to hear which jurors are are under pressure because of their heartbeat, he's able to get one woman to safety, and then realizes towards the end of the case once Wesley comes in, and as John said, uh, he recognizes from the ticking watch. Once Wesley comes back in, he hears another juror's heart going just before the announcement of uh, of the the um, the, verdict. the verdict. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting seeing a courtroom scene play out, which is going to be hugely important in the show, and how well done it was. How how much of Matt and Daredevil that you saw just in that courtroom. I presume we're going to see some more court cases come up as well.
2: You're forgetting about Foggy. Of Foggy course. was brilliant in that scene. Mm-hmm. It really showed that yeah. he has that human element as well. He's able to speak. With that wit and charm that we see, it's all in the very, very, very first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he brings that two very court true. with him. Very true. Um. Uh, yeah, it, w- it was a great, great scene. Um. I. It made me feel the law and order part mm-hmm. of this law and order with vigilanteism on the side yeah. kind of show. Um. It, we've now seen the the law, the order, and the justice is a question.
0: Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I I loved the the whole heartbeat um, power being used again here in the Court of Law. I loved the fact then as well, as kind of a slight aside. But I loved when he approached the guy who was threatening the juror um, and had sort of one of his first um, sort of interrogations of of this, this this bad guy, and this bad guy didn't crack because I love the off-grid, old-school kind of way. I walk past this this building, and if the light's on, I have a, I have a, a job. Mm-hmm. If it's not, I don't. If I tell you anything, there'll be another building in another part of the city that's got a light on, and that will be the job for me. And it's that, again, just that building of fear and the threat um, but I also love the fact that it's, you know, in the age of mass communication and so on, that it's done in a way to protect the chain of communication leading all the way back through the organization and to Wesley Welsh, but ultimately to the big boss man, the kingpin. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that off-grid notion about how
1: the orders are given yeah. Great. That was a, that was a really interesting one, definitely. Um, one little little note from me was just uh, I, I really liked how, uh, how Matt told him to uh to leave. Uh, it was you better leave my city tonight. So yeah. the Daredevil is is claiming ownership of at least Hell's Kitchen, if not the full area of New York City. But,
0: uh, like that. Yeah, it was very very um direct.
1: All right, so guys, any other notes from you guys for uh for this episode?
0: No, I think um all my notes uh have been. Delivered, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, nothing from me. I think
2: that's pretty much uh signed, sealed, and delivered.
0: <laughs> Excellent. But we do have to go through those, um, those things on the DER boards as well. Yeah, but definitely. Well, each, the, Easter the Easter eggs,
2: the Easter eggs, will keep coming back to you. Can trust me on that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so guys,
1: did you find the rabbit in a snowstorm? Did you defend this episode, John?
0: I defend. This episode, and um, most definitely, it had Wilson Fisk introduced in a really different way compared to how he'd been built up. There was Wesley Welch, who I am really enjoying as a character, and the whole courtroom drama and how that all connected in between uh, Matt Murdock, uh, Foggy Nelson, but then also with Karen and the confidentiality clauses. I thought it was a really good little courtroom. Uh, drama and um, law and order type of, of, of drama. For me, I would um, definitely give it four rabbits in a snowstorm out of five. <laughs>
2: how would you tell how many there was tell if they are in a snowstorm? Their little noses. Ah. <laughs> you about that. Very good, very good.
1: Chris, do you defend a rabbit in a snowstorm?
2: Yes. Um, innocent until proven guilty, but with a high chance of being proven Guilty. I sorry. I am a hung jury on this one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm leaning more towards. It was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Was it? What well, the best we've seen so far? I'm still leaning towards the pilot for the very best. Right. Um. Even though we saw Wilson, we saw the, the Healy fight. We got some of the jokes. We saw more about Wesley. We got uh, there was a lot in there, and mm-hmm. especially since we saw Ben, it it just wasn't as. <laughs> If, that, if that's okay. such a word or a feeling. <laughs> how would you spell that? Uh, <laughs> this um, is why we podcast rather than write. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so it, it was, if I'm currently rating, I would go one, three, two. Okay. With two being the lowest. Okay. Um, but yeah, this that's kind of how my rating is going at the moment. But it still watchable. Very watchable and needs to be watched for all the backstory and everything like that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, um, I I think just the introduction of uh of Ben Ork, um, great character. I was really waiting for his introduction and uh, and knowing he's in there and knowing he's investigating and knowing he's now on board. I say team page. Uh, now he's on the same page as uh, as Murdoch and I'm not going to get away with that. <laughs> oh, one that oh, no, Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. Uh, knowing he's knowing he's working with uh, working with Karen um, is really interesting. So so now we're going to see a lot more Ben, I'd say, over the next couple of a couple of episodes. Now finally having our introduction to Wilson Fisk, seeing Vincent D'Onofrio—that's great. So now we have the, how That build up is now over. We're over that. Over those moments where we have to keep him in the shadows, we're going to start to know more about Wilson Fisk and see more of him. I'm really excited about that. Um, and finally, the big thing for me was this is a courtroom drama. This show should be a courtroom drama. It's based around a lawyer a lawyer, in a law firm who happens to go out at night and defend his city. So I think the courtroom scene in this is proof of concept, proof that this show can work in so many ways. And I think it's, it's done a great job. So uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty high, high on the rating for this particular episode. And one final point: watching this episode with the two of these guys and a uh, and a spike to the face um, <laughs> was worth every single penny of uh, of a year of Netflix subscription. So, uh, thank you Netflix, thank you Stephen tonight for that moment. Uh, brilliant. With that, please send us your feedback on any of the episodes so far and any of your thoughts about uh, about the show and our show um, to feedback at defenders podcast dot com. Please subscribe to the show at, on iTunes. You can get get it on our website at DefendersTVPodcast dot slash iTunes. That way, you'll pick up the episodes as soon as they appear on iTunes.
0: You can also follow us on Facebook. Just search Defenders TV Podcast, and of course, you can tweet at us. Um, like the Springbirds at the moment, early in the morning, <laughs> um, at Defenders Cast. Just send um, any comments, thoughts at Defenders Cast
1: so we'll be back with episode 8 of Defender TV Podcast on hopefully Tuesday of this week and then uh, episode 9 will be coming out on Thursday so uh, so please make sure you're subscribed so you can pick up those episodes
2: stay
0: safe thanks for listening thanks for listening bye bye